every family has their hilarious stories. So we jotted down a few of ours. Yeah, so this would be called Just for Grins. Just for Grins. Some of these will just make you grin. Some of them are laugh out loud. I don't know. But the first one has to do with, you know how there's like, when you're raising young children, toddlers especially, there's you got to have a strong stomach. You got to have a strong stomach. So, I mean, it all started like with Similac. Ashley's formula had spilled over and over and over again in the back of this Toyota, this little black Toyota. Yeah, black Datsun and kind of got underneath where her car seat was and it left this white crust. Well, and it smelled like, I mean, we were young parents. We're only like 20. And it smelled like we were constantly in the presence of dirty diapers, like rotting milk in your car. There's nothing worse. And Especially so, on a hot day. Oh, my friend. So that's gross enough. I mean, then there'd be other times where I had this thing where I would hide Easter eggs like my kids were the best private detectives on the planet. Like I was going to challenge them. And at the beginning, I didn't really think about like, you know, you might want to count the eggs before you hide them all so you can make sure they've all been found. Right. Because sometimes it'd be like nine months later and I'm like, Oh, there's an Easter egg. It's like a time bomb. Like you're you're holding it so carefully. Like what is this thing going to smell like if it cracks open? Gross. Other times we would find maybe like dried bologna in the toy box, like these snacks that had been, it was like a red potato chip that was really thick. I hope nobody's having breakfast right now. Right. Dried so, bologna is kind of, it, it, it's, it's hard. It curls up on the edges and it's sweaty. It gets sweaty. Oh, man. And it's in the toy box. And so one day you have, tell us about your um, false alarm. Well, like you said, new parents, little kids, you just clean it up What's all the time. What's going to go wrong next? So I come out to the living room, and there is this gray, lumpy thing on the carpet, Gross. which either looked like the cat. It, it had come out one end of the cat or the other, oh, it looked like. Man. Okay, maybe like a big hairball or you know what. Who has been sick? And I just looked at it and said, oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. And you came up to look at what I was looking at, right? <laughs> right. Well, what had happened is that I'd had like a thunder egg, you know, that had been cut in half and the kids were playing with it. And so the thunder egg was on the carpet with the gray lumpy side pointing upward. You you got lucky that day, my friend. That was a close call. Yes. Not that. That probably took about five minutes off my life. Not that. Another thing to clean up. That was an easy cleanup. So I have a few embarrassing stories to tell. The first one has to do, I think this must be back in the late 80s. So I'm at this intersection near the Hillsboro Airport in Oregon. And I see, it's a busy, it's a busy intersection. I see one of the members of the church is, he's taken the left and he has major car trouble. And I'm watching and he has all that body language of frustration and like, what am I going to do? And it's hard. And I, and so it's going to take some quick maneuvering t- for me to be able to help him out. But I want him to know that, you know, don't worry. So You've got it covered. I've got it covered, but he's going to have to know this. And so I'm, you know, my light's red. So I, I stick my head out of the car and I scream at him and I'm going to say his name, Philip. And, you know, I'm screaming it several times. And finally, he looks my direction and really loudly, I'm screaming across traffic. 
I am coming to pick you up. Stay where you are. I'm coming. I'm going to loop and I'm going to come and I'm be, be right there. Be right there. And he's really looking at me. So my light turns, you know, and I move over into the right lane and I move over really quick off, off onto the shoulder so I can be an assistant of assistance. So I'm sitting there and I roll my window down and the man in the car who is not Philip puts oh, his okay. head in <laughs> and he goes, I'm okay, ma'am. I'm going to be okay. I'm like, okay. I didn't even explain like... Yeah, I usually don't scream at men to get in my car, but... Yeah, I'm going to pick you up. Yeah, I am going to pick you up. Stay where you are. <laughs> wow. So aggressive. Well, I, I've had situations in a somewhat similar, like you will go up and say, Hey, how you oh, doing? Just saying hello. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a small... Where you think like you recognize them and they realize that... Mm-hmm. And I remember working at Ross IG, I would, you know, a checker, customers would come through and I said, how you doing today? And then I would forget I'd ask them that. And then like, <laughs> you say it over and over to the order, I'd say, how you doing today? And I'd go like, <laughs> I like, how many times, how many yeah, times is he going to ask me? Right. I'm, yes. I'm still doing fine since the last 15 seconds, the last time he asked. Yes. So, I mean, here's more embarrassing. Like, this will just make you so glad you're not me, these stories right here. So... I'm at a camping trip and I realize a couple of days in, so I've been teaching this series called ironically taking care of your Uh, responsibilities. responsibilities. And I'm like, hang on, wait, I don't think I got a replacement teacher to teach my class that I'm not in town to teach on the topic of taking care of your responsibilities. Cringe. Another reason to be happy that you're not Cindy Dunnigan, tell the story, Mark, of what happens when you and I, just last year, I think it was last April, we went out to get our concealed carry. In Oregon, you have to do like a gun Yeah, we, we needed to do, this This was because we were doing some stuff also for, I think, Florida. Oh, okay. So we did a situation where we had a test and a live fire. And a live fire. Yeah, I think Florida required a live fire exercise. And we intended to practice. We never got around to it. Mark didn't know. He's got quite the collection. He didn't know which one would work best for me. He kind of took a wild guess. I can't remember if I voted or not, but he brought this revolver. And I realized, man, I am not strong enough to... I I bonded with the Glock Mm -hmm. because the revolver was like, if I'm going to, yeah, it was like I was almost shaking trying to get it to, it was an older gun, right? Yes. So we're doing the live fire exercise and. Well, and the other thing I'm up against is I, this is kind of weird. I wear one contact, you know, and I, and it, sometimes it's in my right eye. Sometimes it's in my left eye, but it makes me where I don't have to wear glasses so I can still read. Like one eye is in charge of reading that day and the other other eye is in charge of long distance sight. And so for now, that is really working for me, except when I'm trying to shoot a gun, because basically if I open my left eye and my right eye, that target is going left to right, left to right, left to right. So I am pretty much flying blind. And I think you took a couple shots and the guy said, you almost took out the light in the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) So I am blowing out. That's how bad. I feel like that's kind of a warning to anyone that maybe wants to take us on. Yes. Is that 
I'm not even going to be able to shoot you where I intended to shoot you. Mm-hmm. So don't mess with me, basically, yes, because right. I could be aiming for something less lethal and it's mm-hmm. still going to hit you in the worst possible spot. Yes. So just a little warning there. <laughs> so probably the thing that makes me cringe the most is this. Um, for a couple of years, there was this private Christian school that invited me to come and speak. And so they had the kids. It was, um, I think it was like grade school all the way up through maybe middle school. So you would do the same presentation twice. And, you know, it was kind of beefed up more for the older kids. You know, the content would be a little bit more challenging. And so Mark, you were also invited from time to time to do this thing. And so several couple years I had done that in a row annually and so I think it around the time that I completed my last presentation can you come next year on this particular date so I'm like sure and so there was I don't know what happened like I think I was expecting a reminder I don't know if they had called you and I didn't get the message I don't know what happened but one day the school calls and they said, we're just making sure that you're on your way. And I'm like, you guys are not even on my radar. And here this entire, these two classes were just like on the verge of assembling to hear my presentations that were not even close to being on my radar. I felt like such a... I need to take a, ca- a class called Taking Care of Your Responsibilities. <laughs> well, it wasn't too long after that, too, that school shut down. That so. school did shut down. Yes. So it reminds me of that. Wasn't there like a Frank Sinatra, like, call me irresponsible, yes. call yep. me unreliable. Yeah, that's apparently my theme song. So how to fill an inch tall. Got another story, Marky Mark? So when we were looking for our house in Beaverton, we'd looked at various properties. And then our realtor, Chris, gave us a call and said, you need to get over here now. He had found a home that was a HUD home, really good shape, but the people were losing the property. And I think there was one day left to make an offer on it. We got in, took a look at it. You know, I said, let's just offer what the government wants, and and we got it. And then not long after that, maybe within a month, Steve Dunn knocks on the door. Steve Dunn, KDATU, Channel 2 News. So I'm opening the door. I think it was like mid-morning, and I am, confession here, I'm slow to get ready in the morning. I basically really want to have my house all together and all this stuff taken care of. Then I take my shower. So I am messed up, and I've got these toddlers at my knees. I open the door, and there is Steve Dunn. And he says, you know, how you doing? He also How's says, like, how was your vacation? And I'm like, okay, this is Steve Dunn. So Steve Dunn knows everything. So if Steve Dunn says, I've been on a vacation, I'm trying to think of what the vacation was and how I'm doing since. Right. And it turns out, and this is kind of a sad story, that the people that had lived in this house, that lost the house, that got yeah, foreclosed on. Foreclosed on. They uh, go on a trip to the Grand Canyon. Let's just get our mind off of all the negativity yeah. and just go to the Grand Canyon. Have and a fresh new start. A fresh experience. And they get kidnapped by a Rambo type character. That's how he described it. And yeah. apparently, this our address was the address he was given to go and interview them. This oh, family. Man. Right. That was weird. So I hope things. Uh, had an up, 
tip for that family after that. I hope so. But it's so weird to open your front door and there is a reporter. With a cameraman and all ready to interview you. It's so weird. You know, it's like, Cindy Dunnigan, how do you do it? No, we're not here for you. We are not here for you. The other brush with greatness that I think is kind of funny is that you and I are at a fundraising auction, like a silent auction auction for uh, domestic violence victims right right I think it was for the to be specific I think it was for Monica's house or something like Mm -hmm. that and the MC for the occasion was Amy Roloff yeah she's local you know you know um, big uh, little people big world I think Mm -hmm. that's the name of the show and so super popular during that time I think it was in the early 2000s and so this is just ironic I got into a bidding war with Amy Roloff over a Vera Bradley bag that had had some like health and beauty aid type things in it. It was just so weird for she and I to be like, and then when I actually won it, um, I don't know, like how many people have been in a bidding war over something with Amy Roloff? I just felt like it was a really unique situation. Yes. And I, um, I sat down with her during that and, and almost talked her into becoming a domestic violence resource advocate. She's like, I'm really kind of busy right Mm -hmm. now, but I am interested. Tell me about it. If things free up, I think I might be interested in that. So anyway, I still have that bag and it always reminds me of Amy Roloff. Brush with greatness. (laughs) Brush with greatness. So I had this other brush that was not with greatness. So this was back in 2015. And I mean, I had spent the night at the Beaverton Police Department Training Center practicing like think fast scenarios involving active shooters and simulation technologies. And so I'm driving in the dark down Highway 99 toward my beach house and I'm talking to my mom. She's on the speakerphone and I feel something substantial fall on my right foot where it meets my leg. And it is cold and wet and slippery and kind of slides off like in jello style. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm saying it's substantial, (laughs) whatever it is. So I hang up with my mother and I squeamishly drive to the side of the road a little bit further. And I pull over and I look on my foot to see if there's any residual yuck and I don't see anything. And I grab my phone to use the flashlight. And when I open my driver's door, a frog from under my feet hops out immediately and starts crossing Highway 99. Which is four lanes. Four lanes of traffic. I'm not even going to watch and see how that goes down. I don't want to see what his fate what his fate is and I spend the next hour trying to shake the feeling of an unexpected heavy clammy amphibious something on my toes I mean I like frogs but mercy I hope he got back home to his family eventually let's just say he did yeah. Let's just say. But I bet did. his wife was at the door tapping her foot when he showed up. Where like, have where you have been? you been? <laughs> yes, you're in trouble, dude. What, you know, what took you so long to get home? So, Mark, tell the story of, and I think we can say this name, Kyle Pope. So Kyle's holding a gospel meeting Thank for you, us. Thank you, Kyle. A couple of years ago. Great to have it's, you staying uh, at our place. Late March. I think it's late March. Okay. And we are, uh, he stayed with us, and we are, we have been 
taking we have been taking the doors off and putting new hinges on right, right? we're doing all the trim of our house you know we're yeah. painting it putting it back up and everything and so we're at the stage of the doors when he right. happens to visit and also that we're, we we went and bought all new knobs doorknobs mm-hmm. everything so yeah. And the thing is that from time to time, like he would be in his room and he wouldn't have a doorknob and there would be a hole there. <laughs> right. And, right. And I th- tried to time it where you guys would do outings every day or you'd go yeah. off and do preacher things together. And so I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to try to do, get done so that when they get back, I'll be in this certain place on this project where he gets his privacy. But it seems like... There's a couple, there was one time it really didn't work out well the- and I think you need to use the restroom and... The door was on, but there was no knob on. So I think he got really clever and put like a sock in yeah. the opening where the knob should yeah. be. Yeah, and like, am I the most least hospitable hostess <laughs> that there has ever been? I think at that point, I thought the door had been put on at the bed because there's a bedroom door and then mm. the bathroom door beyond that. Yeah. And I didn't until after he was done. Not only did he not have a doorknob in the ba- on the ba- in the bathroom door. He didn't even have that bedroom door. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he had double doors. He had yeah. basically nothing. And he was like, his attitude was just like, oh, it's good. Yep. It's okay. Yeah, I just, you know. He was a delight anyway. And so yes. he didn't seem to have any grudges about zero privacy. But, oops. Look forward to seeing Kyle and his yeah, wife when we go across definitely. the country. He was, they were the ones who provided the spray paint that we needed um, to paint the Cadillacs. What At is the that? Cadillac Ranch. The Cadillac Ranch, Amarillo. So my next story has to do, I really think the roots of my story to kind of explain why I behave the way I behave in this story is because way back in 1977, I had my first peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. So this, I kept hearing sounds outside my bedroom window. I think I'm around 15 years old. All summer I'd heard, and I always just thought it was nothing like the wind. There were mm-hmm. there were different plants and stuff on the other side of the window, so I always thought it was, that's just what it was. And But I always kind of kept like, oh, what's that sound? Oh, what's that sound? And I turned my head. I remember I'm washing my face. I'm sitting on my bed. I turn my, and there is a head. There, there's somebody looking in my window. I mean, level 10 instantly. You can imagine hitting the roof and so my sister happened to have a boyfriend over that night and he chased this person for a while and he jumped the fence and so you know it was hard to shake that so then in 1982 when we have a young baby now in the house mark leaves for work at like three about 2 30 in the morning 2 30 in the morning mark's on the other side of town 2 30 in the morning and it is I think it was like late fall, really windy, stormy night. And again, I hear things brushing on the other side uh, of the bedroom window. And I know it's nothing, but I'm, it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes like in order to really relax, I'm just going to have to see for myself that it's nothing. So I stand up on the bed and I open my curtains. There's a man there with a crowbar. Mm-hmm. And I take like three big steps and... I should be calling 911. I think 911 was a brand new thing. I call my dad across town. And he's like, hang up and call 911. So I do. And the police come. They see his footprints. All of that. In fact, I think, and I'm having, I'm going to try to, when they leave, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the grown up and I'm going to be able to, I, I just, it really shook me, of course. And I think there was a van a couple hours later, it was still dark outside, a white van that parks outside the front of my house. And I called the police again. It turned out to be just the um, newspaper delivery. It was like mm-hmm. the Oregonian right. newspaper. I'm like, 
All of that leads All up to... All that explains to this situation. Right. So this happened, I think, back in 2016. So I had spent the morning with one uh, at the beach house. I had spent the morning with this gentleman that helped me set up an art display. And he had said, like, oh, there had been, like, a break-in in the neighborhood recently. And a car had been stolen and such that was sort of in the back of my brain i to be honest i tend to really not obsess about these things it was way back in the back of my brain like huh. and so i had gone i usually do like morning laps in the pool so i'd come back from that and i was there is this really private area on my deck where zero people can see me and so i'm still in my swimwear out there soaking up the sun reading and i see this car parked down below i can just see the top of the car and so i'm barely paying attention i'm just reading and i see this man walk one direction barely notice uh, maybe 10 15 minutes later he then works his way past my house and i hear a knock at my door and I'm like, oh, what a hassle. Plus, I am not decent, okay? Mm -hmm. So I go up to the door, and I mean, we've owned this house since the early 90s in the family. Nobody has ever knocked on the door once. Mm -hmm. We don't know people. I know that it's this guy, and so I yell. I go up to the door, and I yell, not interested. And from the other side of the door, he goes, okay. And so I have windows all the way around and so of the house. So I'm waiting to see his head go down the driveway to make sure that he's gone. And I don't see his head and I don't see his head and I don't see his head. So I'm like, okay, I must have missed him somehow. So I tilt my head around it to, uh, I kind of peek out one of the windows and there he is right next to my door after saying, okay, I'm not interested. And he's like, okay, but you're going to still lurk. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to wait around 10 minutes for the police to show up. I don't know what to do. And then this guy takes two steps to the left, and now he is standing and staring through my floor-to-ceiling window. But I decide, I go and I get my gun, and I have it pointing up in the air. I don't think it's loaded. I don't know. I open the door just enough, and I said, I said, I'm not interested. You can get off my property now. And he goes, I thought you said just a minute. And I said, I said, I'm not interested. And I shut and I locked my door. And then I do see him like running away down the driveway. And so I'm like, oh, was that the right thing? I don't know what to do. You know, it was just like, oh, man. And so I call one of my besties, Ray Ray, Ray Clark. And I'm sitting on the front of my deck now and still just as indecent but I know I'm not going to see anybody and they're not going to see me so I'm sitting out there drying out and telling her that we're rehashing the story and I'm getting her advice like what do you think oh, and we're rehashing that and all of a sudden I see like four or five sheriffs come very quickly and park very quickly right in front of my house and I realize they're coming for me and so I run in the house and I'm trying to throw clothes on as fast as I can. And pretty soon there's like pounding at my door and I'm half dressed and I grab my police ID and I open the front door and there is no one there because they are all crouched in the prone position of like this woman had a gun, anything can happen. 
And I, I basically take my ID with just my arm and I hold it outside my door and I'm like, Cindy Dunnigan, volunteer for two police departments. And I can hear the sheriff going like, cease and desist, you know? And so I see all of these officers come from, they had surrounded my house and I see them getting back into their vehicles. And so I'm sitting there, um, dripping, actually I'd done an oil treatment on my hair. So, I mean, I am a mess. And um, I'm sitting there and I'm telling them the story like, do you think I could should have done anything differently? And they're like, well, we don't really think, you know, they didn't really have much to offer in terms of like, that was really, they didn't give me a lecture. They were just like, yeah, we could see because I told them the story. And, and so then it came out, they're like, well, what did you notice? And now they're kind of testing me and everything. And and they go, okay, well, we just want you to know that that was actually. That the person who showed up, that yeah, you kind yeah. of point. Well, I didn't, no, I never pointed You didn't gun point the gun at, but who saw the gun was the property tax assessor. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Okay, and they said, the officer was like, he wants you to know that he thought you said just a minute. And mm. I go. Will you let him know that I believe him when he says, I thought you said just a minute. So a few weeks later, I was teaching an art class and, and, you know, I have a very distinctive car. You can tell my car cause it has like bumper stickers. You can tell my car. And so my car is parked outside. And so I'm teaching this class and the County assessor walks in. I don't, and so he looks at me and I look at, I look entirely different, mm-hmm. but he look, he's like, could I use the restroom? And the ladies are like, sure. And so he uses the restroom and then he kind of walks out and he and I kind of look each other in the eye cause he has seen my car and he's probably mm-hmm. like, she's probably in there. So he walks past me and I'm with these ladies and, and he leaves and th- one of the ladies goes, I think that was the County assessor. And I go, Yeah. Yep. That was the county assessor, <laughs> and that's all I said. <laughs> well, that, that gave him something. Oh, Mark. That gave again. him a story. Mark, do you remember the Vietnamese neighbors that we had? Yeah, they were here when we first moved into the neighborhood. They were um, so sweet. Very hospitable. Yeah, they taught um, taught you how to make spring rolls and pot stickers, right? Yeah. I think her name was Dong. Yeah. And we had a, a garage sale. Yeah, one of the first garage sales that we had, maybe the first garage sale we had here. At that time, there were a bunch of teenagers. Young adults. Young adults, a big group. And they thought it would be funny. I don't think they even knew that we were having a garage sale. No. I don't know, but it happened to be the night before. before. Our, yeah, the night before our garage sale. What, did, what all did they do to our... Well, they just... It was the biggest TP job I ever saw. We had toilet paper strung all... From one side of this house to the other, they put plastic forks in the front yard and took Orioles apart and stuck them on the windows. Right, right. I mean, it was an A-plus job, but the timing of that verse, like you open your garage door, and garage it's like, door to have whoa. a garage sale, and there's a lot more going on. The good news is it brought in the customers. I mean, our house, you couldn't miss our house, the one <laughs> having the sale. So but the neighbors were... I guess somewhat under the impression that is this something that American people do right, they when were, they have a garage sale. <laughs> so they're still trying to figure out the culture, this brand new culture they're living yeah. in. Like, oh, I see. Wow. 
so you put TP on for your garage sale for and it's like n- n- no nope. like <laughs> Mark do you remember when I had the mariachi band sing to you happy birthday yes Absolutely. I would like to have a mariachi band that would simply follow me around, and every time I would enter the room, it would be something like, ba-da! Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Yeah. yeah, so Mark had said that for years, and so we were at, what was that? I can't remember what I said. I right. think it was El Polo Loco. Oh, yeah, El Polo Loco and Cedar Hills Boulevard. So we're there, and I go to do a refill on my drink, and those guys are within earshot. I don't know if there was maybe four of them. Yeah, there was a mariachi band having dinner. They're just having dinner, and I'm like, listen, when I give you the signal, how would you feel about coming over and singing happy birthday out of the blue to my husband? They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. And so every now and again during dinner, they glance my way and I would not be given them. And then suddenly when it was like the right time and they looked like they were winding down. And so I like gave them the signal. And so Mark, there it was. Your mm-hmm. dream. I have a video of it. Yep. Your dream. Suddenly out of the blue, there is your Mari- the mariachi band of your dreams right there. Yep. Happy birthday. Monchito, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So we have some funny stories related to people that we think are hilarious. And I think we'll probably go nameless on a lot mm-hmm. of these. Mark, tell the story of your mother and the garage door opener. Uh, Mom came home one night and she pulled up in the driveway and, you know, she kind of uh, moved forward in her seat and the garage door went up a little bit. She moved back in her seat. The garage door went down. Wow. She moved up. And she's, of course, mom's thinking, there's someone inside. There can only be one explanation. Yeah, there's someone inside, and they're going to bop around the always head. Always on the verge of that. Yeah, they're always going to bop around the head. Uh-huh. Not like shooter or knife. Like little bunny foo-foo. Yeah, it was they were going to bop around the head. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that she was sitting on the garage door opener. <laughs> yep, there we go. <laughs> Fantastic. One of my best friends came to the airport when one of our kids was going to come off the airplane to, you know, be a part of that memory, a really special day. We are walking towards security and she goes and and so we're putting all, all our bags on the belt to be scanned and she puts hers down and then quickly snaps it up and she goes, I'll be right back. I'll catch up with you guys. Well, she had a loaded gun in her purse. Concealed carry. Well, because she was from Alaska, and you always have your concealed carry. Yes. So wow. that could have really gummed up things for picking up our... I don't know if you even get your adopted baby if part of your party is... <laughs> has a firearm Has a, fi- a loaded firearm in the airport with you. Mm. Whoa, that was a close call. And so she cracks us up. And one of the other things she did that cracked us up is she told this story where... She used to work in a hospital, and there was this really angry, obstinate, difficult patient. And so she knows she did the thing where you check him in and everything, and she put the she put his file on a hook on the when she was done, and passed the doctor going down the hall, and the doctor's going towards the room, and she's leaving, and she's like, "Mr. Grumpy's ready for you." And the doctor did not look at the chart. Look at the chart to get the name. Correct. And so the doctor goes up, and as our friend is exiting Mm -hmm. the room and the door is closing, she hears the doctor say to the patient, 
Well, hello, Mr. Grumpy. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not really his name. Yikes. And yeah. so we, we love that story. Yeah. She do, I think she does, too. Mm-hmm. And so this other one is this little boy that we are really attached to at our congregation. And he always, he's, he is so bright. We're going to watch and see where this kid ends up. He's like president material. Like you can tell Mm -hmm. this is probably the single most bright young man I have ever met. And plus he is spiritually advanced. Mm -hmm. He's almost, whenever he'd be in my Bible class, I almost considered him a co-teacher. Mm-hmm. Like he's just right there and so supportive. And he greets you as if you're an adult. How are you today? And he'll compliment something. I mean, and he even goes, he even talks like, oh, back in the day. Like, what is he? Six? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, back in the day, I used to. I used to play soccer. Like he's got decades of <laughs> yeah, life experience. So one of the stories that the family tells about him that I just love is that they're at the post office and it's one of those days where the line is just super long. It's around holiday it's time. A, yeah, it's, it's around Christmas season. They are waiting and waiting in line for their turn. And suddenly their son goes, everybody! Like he starts, and this is like out of character. He's probably more like four, I'm mm. imagining. Can't remember his age, but he's like, everybody! And his mom is looking at him like, what is going on? Everybody! listen to me, listen to me. And there is a silence in the post office and his mom is like, what What is he going to say? What is he going to say? And he goes, Santa Claus is coming to town. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So, so funny. So you know how kids kind of have like their own vocabulary. Like I I know we've got a bunch of these. The only couple that I could think of is that one of our kids says instead of instead of saying um you know it's hard to make ends meet. Yeah. He goes. It's hard to make mincemeat. It and maybe it is. (laughs) So we always whenever that it's amazing how many times we happen to say making ends meet, and then we always have to add like or mincemeat. And then at one point, one of our children say, "Hey, hey." Someone gave me a Canadian bacon quarter. Right. Bummer. Like, what a ripoff. It's, it's, I got a Canadian bacon quarter. So that's whenever there's a quarter, we talk about a quarter, often the Canadian bacon comes up. So um, I think the rest of my stories have to do with our firstborn. And I actually called her to, like, clear these stories with her because the last thing in the world I want to do is to cause any kind of embarrassment. And she's like, just tell whatever. She's like, I've been public with every one of those. So one time we were driving along and we passed this sign that said, do not pass. And she goes, it's just so weird to me that every single person ignores that sign. Yes. <laughs> like every single driver, why would they even have that sign if every single person passes it, who sees it? No, that's not what the sign means. And yeah. that was not the only other time that Ashley I did not understand, understand the sign. And I, this, I'm saying this as a person who at one point I remember, I probably was in my late teens, where I stood at one of those signs at the mall that, you know, shows the map and everything. And it has a little part where it says, you are here. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, how do they know how that? How do they know I'm here? That's, that's incredible. <laughs> how do you know? 
I am here. I can't believe they know where I am right now. <laughs> so, I mean, we all have our moments, okay? Yes. So, um, do you want to tell the one about the other sign that Ashley misread? Well, was it the sign that the sign was 100 rooms for $99 at a hotel? Yeah. And she said, that is a steal. That's a that you could That's get a steal. We could get okay. You we could, could get a hundred of our friends. It could be like yeah. my college friends and yes. everything. It's like a buck a piece. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that a deal that is. Yeah. Ashley went to Florida to go to college, and she had heard a lot about Florida. I don't know that she'd ever been there. Probably not. Mm-mm. So she knew like there's going to be all kinds of severe weather severe weather and so she had really really anticipated that and lo and behold when she lands at the airport she cannot believe already it's flashing all around her all around her and it keeps going Mm -hmm. and she can't believe like she doesn't necessarily hear a lot of thunder but the quantity is just remarkable and then she kind of starts to realize it's also very regular. It keeps happening like yeah. every, wait a second. And so it turns out to be simply the lights on the it's runway. It's just the runway. Yep. <laughs> she was a little bit hyped up. Yep. And the thing that cracks us up the most is I think Ashley was pregnant. I don't know with which grandchild, but I'm just going to, I'm not going to give details obviously because this is a family friendly podcast forever and ever. Amen. But Ashley dreamed during her pregnancy that she had had a romantic experience with Wilford Brimley. Wilfred Brimley of the oatmeal commercials and etc. Mm-hmm. So she's telling her husband about it, and he is just kind of like, "So, hmm. how was it?" <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we'll not we'll not add anything else to that. But oh, Wilfred Brimley is the joke. From the, for the rest of our lives. I think so. How do we end this thing just for Grands Mark? Well, we appreciate people listening in and listening to our little stories about the things that have just cracked us are up. Are part of the Dunnigan family? Yeah. Um, humorous lore over the years. Yeah, and if you're going to be hosting us on this Nomad Quest, and you have some of your own stories, you've heard ours. Like these are our favorite family stories. Many of them. We just pop the popcorn. We can't wait to hear all your family stories. We look forward to having a good laugh with you. Yes, yes, yes.